raises the question, is that really God's desire for us to call each of us to a higher place and a deeper place with him? And if it is, and if he's calling us, how are we responding to that? Why don't we talk to him about that right now? God, thank you that this morning you have invited us to come into this place to unplug from the rest of our busy lives for a few moments. And you invited us to lift our voices in song, singing songs from the generations that have called us to focus our minds and our hearts on great truth about you and about our need for you. You've invited us to spend a few moments like right now in conversation with you. So this is your moment, my friends, to have a conversation with God. What would you like to talk to God about? You've invited us to come with the financial resources that we too easily call our own and recognize that it's really all yours and to bring back some of that to this place so that from here the message of Christ can go to the world. And now you've invited us to open our hearts and our minds, our very lives, to the penetration of your word. I invite you, Holy Spirit of God, to speak to each of us as only God can. Why don't you invite God to touch you right at the point of your need in the next few moments? And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I want to invite the little ones up through grade four to go ahead and join the teachers that are ready to help them know Jesus in the same way that I hope to help you know Jesus in the next few minutes. On the front of your worship folder... I wrote a little paragraph that I, as I always try to do every week. Would you look at it with me for a moment? The epitome of American sport extravagance, the Super Bowl, draws the attention of the sporting world this weekend. Would you agree with that? Billions of people are going to be watching the game. The picture that you see on the screen suggests that, in my opinion at least, uh, one of the ways that our nation is different from almost every nation on the planet, we are obsessed with sports champions in this nation. In September, it's baseball and the World Series. In October, it's college football. And by the time you get to December, it's the bowl games, 35 of them this year. By the time you get to January, it's the playoffs of the NFL and the Super Bowl. And then pretty soon it's the NBA championships, and then the NHL championships, and on and on it goes. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why? Could it be we're trying to hide, trying to pretend that the world isn't as bad as it really is and desperately needs our help? Have you considered the billions of dollars that we spend to celebrate champions and how some of that might be better used around the world? So look at the rest of what I wrote. But athletic championships pale in comparison to the serious life and death realities today in Egypt or Syria, if you've been watching the news, or Mali or Algeria or Afghanistan or even in Chicago where last year in 2012 500 homicides happened in Chicago. 
in the battle raging for humanity, God calls upon those who understand themselves to be new creations in Christ to rise up and to live as what I'm today calling victorious champions in the strength that He provides and defeat the suffocating darkness which is destroying our world. What do you think about that? If I'd had room, I would add this question. So where are you and me penetrating and pushing back the darkness? Huh? I've been trying to help you understand, as I've been trying to understand myself, what is this new normal life that God would like you and I to be living as we come to trust Jesus Christ to be our Savior, and then he declares us new creations in Christ. Our theme verse that we've been unpacking these, these weeks begins, you'll remember, with this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Would you say it with me? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. That is God's definition of a victorious champion. Amen? who has found deliverance in the power of Jesus Christ and now is bringing to his or her world the answers that only God can bring. So, would you open up your worship folder, take out the notes that are there for you today, and open your copy of God's Word, please, to Romans chapter 8. Would you do that, please? Romans chapter 8. If you didn't happen to bring a Bible with you, I think there's one under the chair there in front of you, and you'll find it on about page 800 or so. I, I put these notes together for you every week because there's so much more I would like to tell you than I have time for. And I hope you'll take time through the week and dig into this and dig into God's Word because He has so much to say to us that could change our lives. Do you agree with that? You and I, in case you didn't notice, were born into a dark world. All of us were born innocent, as this picture on the screen shows. Uh, that was kind of like what you and I looked like. And we had no idea at that moment in our lives what a mess of a world we were coming into, right? We were also born extremely impressionable, and very quickly your family began to shape you for who you are. It influenced what you thought about life and about the world in which you had come to, about yourself, about God, about everything. Then pretty soon it was your friends that you began to make that started to have great influence on your life. Then the schools that you attended, the jobs that you've had. Think about it. Your whole life you have been greatly influenced by lots and lots of people. And if you haven't noticed, you're growing up in a pretty dark world. Your spirit, your spiritual spirit was dormant when you were born. And so you had no way to be able to push back the darkness. In fact, may I call it, you and I were born in the despair of the current modern normal, which, and I've listed some things for you there, you were raised in the kingdom of darkness, it tells us in Colossians chapter 1. You and I lived alienated from God. We were doomed. We, we had no way to help ourselves, no way to crawl our way back to God, even if we wanted to. And we were living incapable of understanding spiritual things. The Bible tells us in several places that your mind cannot comprehend spiritual truth, the things of God, unless God intervenes and opens your mind and heart to understand it. Isn't that true? So I intentionally asked Gene to make sure that this slide had a dark background in fairly small letters because it's a picture of how you and I have been living life from the time that we were born. 
in a very dark world where, where the darkness is all around us and it is almost suffocating, isn't it? Look at those three lines. That's where the vast majority of the world lives and maybe where some of you are feeling like you live today. And into that darkness God reaches. It's now been a decade when uh, a disaster happened in New York City that shook the world. The Twin Towers collapsed, you'll remember, and in that flaming, burning rubble, it seems to me that was a picture, if you will, of the world that is in grave decay. So I found something I'd like you to watch. Watch this. That's all you heard about from that day on was the cross. Do you see the symbolism? In the despair, God reached in. And as those emergency response men and women were desperately searching for any who might have survived, down deep in the rubble were crosses of the I-beams of the building that spoke hope. God is here. All is not lost. And that's why, my friends, I've written for you in your notes, it's exactly the same for you and for me. You see, God reaches into our desperation, the rubble of our lives, and we are rescued by God the Father's grace plan, by Jesus Christ's atonement accomplished, and by the work of the Holy Spirit applying to your life and to mine all that God desires for you and makes available to you. We're reconciled back to God. We're restored into relationship with Him. He declares us holy and blameless, he declares us a citizen of heaven. You see, the second part of our theme verse says, as you see on the screen, all this is from God who has reconciled us, drawn us to himself, restored the relationship, and then entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation. It means God is saying, just as I have reached to you in the blackness of your world, in the despair of your situation, in the rubble of your life, and I've drawn you to myself. You're a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. I'm now pouring myself into you so you can be hope in the darkness for others. Amen? So you see, I've got some questions there. I love to put questions in my notes. It, it draws you from a place of just listening to a place of personal engagement. So ask yourself these questions. Who am I by God's design? If it's true that when you were just a tiny little speck in your mother's womb and God had a design for you, who is that? Who am I by God's definition? Who has he defined you to be, declared you to be? Who are you by your own self-perception? What do you perceive yourself to be? What do you think about yourself? What needs to change so that you see yourself the way God sees you? You see, the reason that is so important is when we take those terrible pictures and we personalize them, part of the reason that so many people live in the rubble of life, the despair, the depression of life, is they believe the lies that's all around them. In some cases, the lies they've been listening to from the time they were little children. You'll never be anybody. You'll never amount to anything. That's a lie. God doesn't make any junk. He doesn't make rubble. Isn't that true? Yes, that's true. Yes, that's true. You see, your silence there is a beautiful picture of one of the major problems in our nation. We, we live in the most educated nation on the planet. Per capita, the wealthiest nation on the planet. 
the planet where it is the easiest and most enjoyable to live on the planet, and yet this nation has more therapists and counselors and people living desperately from pill to pill than any other nation in the world. Why? Why? Because we believe the lies. We believe the lies of the darkness all around us. And this morning, with all of this passion and the truth of God's Word, I'm trying to call to you, my friends, don't live in the rubble anymore. God is reaching into the rubble of our world in the person of Jesus Christ and says, I love you, I love you. And I understand the rubble of your life. I've watched it all happen. And I'm reaching to you to rescue you out of that rubble. Would you please let me love you? Would you let me help you, huh? All this is from God who draws us to himself, if we'll allow him, and then starts doing the healing, repairing work of the damage that has been done to us in our life journey, most of which should have never happened, but it did. And God is saying, let me help. So what needs to change? You see there, Ephesians 1 says, he chose us, God did, to be holy and blameless in his sight in order that we might be for the praise of his glory, light in a dark world. So the Bible calls you a saint if you've trusted Jesus Christ to be your Savior. You're forgiven. You're cleansed. Amen. God says you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. God says you're an ambassador of Jesus Christ, and that's our third theme verse. And as an ambassador of Christ, God is making his appeal to the world through us, right? You see that there's a blue insert in your worship folder today. Would you look at it? On one side, there's some information about our ABFs. And I put that there so that you could understand there are communities for you to be a part of, of wonderful people who would love to love you and draw you into community. On the other side, do you see there's two columns of truth? One says, as a new creation in Christ, I am. This is the truth of who I am, according to God's word. I am a child of God. I am a son or daughter of God. I'm a friend of Jesus. Down a little bit further, I am someone Jesus knows intimately. He knows my voice. And then the other column, as a new creation in Christ, this is what I have. I have assurance that I am part of a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Do you see that, friends? Truth, lie defeating, darkness penetrating truth. Amen. And I urge you to take it. Fold it in half, scotch tape one side if you want, and it becomes a bookmark for you in whatever book you're reading. Put it on your mirror in your bathroom if you have to. Scotch tape it there, and in the morning, when you're looking at the mirror, going, oh. (laughs) Instead, instead you start reading these things out loud. And the next time you feel discouraged or even desperate, truth, God's truth defeats the lies. Amen. Amen. You see, ambassadors of Christ go into our desperate, dark, broken, rubble-filled world and say, I come to you with truth, God's truth, that can help you right where you are in the brokenness. So you see there in my notes, I've got three chunks of Scripture I want you to see, please, because the truth is you and I live in a rubble-filled world. If you think you're standing firm, be careful, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says. But, But God wants you to know that no temptation has seized you Except that which is common to man. Have you ever been in that place, my friends, where life hurts so bad you think no one else on the planet could possibly be feeling what I'm feeling? No one else could possibly be carrying the load of life that I'm carrying. But God's word says, oh, lift up your eyes and look around. 
You are not experiencing anything that is unique to you. It's part of the human journey. And in that human journey, look, God is faithful. Circle it there in your notes, my dear friends. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will provide you a way so that you can stand up and bear up under it. Another picture I have for you to see. You ever feel like that? One of the thousands who are grateful to be alive as they came stumbling out of the collapsing Twin Towers. I can imagine that as desperate as that man felt, as overwhelmed as he was by what he was experiencing, at least he was saying, at least I'm alive. I offer you that picture, my friend, so that the next time you feel as though the load of life is just too much, God is there. This scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, says God is there and he will not allow the load of life to overwhelm you. He'll provide you a way so you can stand up under it. What is the way? God's truth about who you are and how much he loves you and his strength available to you. The relationship that he offers you. He is your father, you're his son, you're his daughter. The power of God unleashed in you by the presence of his Holy Spirit. Amen? Look at a second one I've got for you there. It's found in 1 Peter 5. It says, humble yourselves. Cast all your anxiety upon him. If you're a person who gets anxious, circle that. Be self-controlled. Be alert. Your your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Is that true? That you and I live in a world where the devil himself is looking to hurt you? Yes, absolutely yes. And there's a whole kingdom of of demons that are prowling around. And do you know, they know your vulnerability, your weakness, better than you do. And they are constantly scheming and looking for a way to hurt you. So what do we do in response to that? Peter writes, run, run. No, he doesn't. He writes, resist him. Stand firm in your faith. Amen. Have you figured out, my dear friends, that faith grows not laying on the beach in a chaise lounge with a pina colada in your hand? Faith grows in the pressure cooker of life. Isn't that true? Faith grows in the stretch of life. Right? May I suggest to you, faith is only as strong as the one in whom you have your faith is strong. And that's why it's so important that you and I anchor our faith in the almighty God. Amen? The all-knowing God who understands the rubble in your life. The everywhere present God, right? The eternal God, the holy God, right? So the more you know him and the more your faith is anchored in him, You can stand firm and resist anything that the dark kingdom has against you. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Resist him. Stand firm in your faith. Fill your mind and your heart with his truth. Celebrate that he's right there with you. Two more pictures for you. You remember this one? Now let me ask you a question, my friends. Why did they do that? You remember, that's ground zero. You remember it was just a couple of days into the disaster. And they found that pole sticking up and for the veterans, of course, who remember Iwo Jima. That was a powerful picture. Why did they do that? Talk to me. Hope, thank you. Why else? What does it say? What was it supposed to symbolize to all of those working in the rubble? We're still here. 
We will survive. Freedom. Unity. That's right. So as those courageous, fearless, exhausted workers came in there day and night, and they saw the flag, and they put a light on it, you'll remember. It gave them hope, faith, courage. But there's another picture. They picked up that cross out of that rubble, and they put it in a prominent place. I was there. I saw it with my own eyes. There was only one way in and out of ground zero. They blocked off all the roads except one. So every person and every truck coming in to get rubble and going out had to go there. And they put that right at the entrance with a big floodlight on both sides, 24-7. The power of the cross was proclaiming what? Hope. Hope in God. Hope in Jesus. We've not been abandoned by God. He's here with us. Amen? So resist the devil and stand firm in your faith. But you have to ask the question, what is my faith anchored in, right? I've got one more for you. Do you see it there? The Apostle Paul writes to the Ephesians, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil. You see, my friends, God is wanting you and me to understand this is a rubble-filled, dark, broken world. Adam and Eve trusted Satan rather than God and invited the darkness into the world. And from that day to this, you're born into a sinful, dark, evil world, and it's getting darker by the day. Do you agree with that? And so Paul says you can't fight it in your normal human strength and self. It's so much bigger than you. This is a spiritual battle. It's a battle for your mind. It's a battle for your heart. This afternoon, uh, they say a couple of billion people are going to be watching this football game. Some people have been paid some really big bucks to come up with commercials that are worth a million and a half dollars for 30 seconds. Uh, My best friend when I'm watching television is my remote. How about you? I I only really watch two things, uh, sports and news. But I've got it, I think I got it down now to a science. I can tell when it's it's a timeout. Boom, gone. Bathroom, refrigerator, check the internet, whatever I need to do, emails, back. I've got it right down to a science. I don't remember the last time I saw a commercial or heard one. Why? Because they're paid to make me believe I need something I don't need. And I really ought to spend money that Donnie, my dear wife, would not appreciate when the bill comes. And she says, what's this? So, it's pretty simple. What I don't see and can't hear. I've been noticing on the the internet front page news, that's where I get most of my news, that there's been this ongoing debate. Which of the Super Bowl ads is the raciest? Have you noticed that? The sexiest, the most uh, provocative. So I've exercised my prerogative, since that's the word I almost used, And I've said, no, I'm not clicking on that to look at these racy commercials to see which one. You're not not baiting me into that. No. Resist the devil. Stand firm in your faith. He's scheming to try to draw you into a place where you don't want to go, and it won't be good for you or your family. So put on the full armor of God, and you see it's listed there for you. 
Stand firm with the, the belt of truth around you, God's truth, the breastplate of righteousness, God's declaration that you are holy if you've trusted Jesus Christ. Your feet fitted with the gospel, meaning you know the gospel well enough, well enough you're ready to step into the rubble of somebody else's life and say, let me help you with that. Here's God's hope for you. The shield of faith with which you can extinguish the arrows of the devil because your faith in God is so strong. The helmet of salvation that protects your mind because you know that these schemes of the devil is to try to draw your mind away from God into dark places. So I got another picture for you. Colonel Nathan Bond was here in our worship last night, and when I put that picture up, I said, so Colonel Bond, is that pretty accurate? About a well-armed soldier is stepping into battle with today. And he said, yep. When we read this little part of God's word here in Ephesians 6, we kind of get the picture of a Roman soldier with a very outdated armament. Put that in your mind. And ask yourself the question, when I step out of this room onto the battlefield of life out there, am I prepared to do battle? Men in this room, are you prepared to do battle to protect your marriage? Because in case you haven't noticed, one of the devil's schemes is he wants to break up every marriage in Walworth County. Do you agree with that? Moms and dads and grandparents in this room, are you prepared to do battle on behalf of your teenagers? Because if you haven't noticed, one of the schemes of the dark kingdom is that every teen in this county would be a drug addict. Is that true? Yes, it's true. In case you haven't noticed, one of the schemes of the devil is that this county would have the highest suicide rate in the nation. Is that one of his schemes? Yes. So who's going to be the answer to that? You and me and other people sitting in churches across this county who believe the truth. That a new creation in Christ, the old is gone. You don't have to live in the shadow and the guilt and the pain of the past. And the new has come and you're now a soldier, a warrior, stepping into the darkness and pushing back the darkness to help other people. Amen? So now you think I forgot about Romans 8, didn't you? Romans 8, as we prepare for communion. Look at verse 31. 31 of Romans 8. So what shall we say in response to all of this? If God is for us, who could possibly be against us? <laughs> he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. It, it's God who defends. Who is he that condemns? Jesus Christ, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, interceding for us. He's our lawyer standing in God's presence. Amen? Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or, or sword? No, in all these things we are, what does it say? More than conquerors, champions, victorious champions, through him who loved us. Amen. For I am convinced, Paul writes, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor anything in the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Amen? So one last picture and some questions. I, I have no idea what you're stepping into tomorrow morning, Monday. 
and what your week will be like this next week or, or, or the month of February. But my guess is that, that by the end of 2013, there's going to be some folks even here among us today who will look back and say, it was the worst year of my life. Everything crumbled around me. But in the midst of it, God was there. God was there. And God's people stood with me in the midst of it. Burn that picture into your mind. Because God wants you and me to understand, I will never abandon you. Never. That I understand the rubble in your life better than you do. I'm God. I see it all. I will never turn my back on you. At your invitation, I will step into the rubble with you. I will help carry the load with you. As you entrust to me the stuff that has broken your life, I'll begin to do a healing work in you, as only I can do because I made you. <laughs> and so a couple questions for you and me to ponder that are not in your notes, because they're fresh questions. If you're a student in this place with us this morning, how are you bringing light into the darkness of your schools? How are you pushing back the darkness that you know your fellow students are struggling with in your school? For all of us in this room, in our homes, our families, how are we protecting our families from the schemes of the dark kingdom wanting to bring into our homes the trash that's going to fill our minds with junk and rip us apart? How are we pushing back the darkness in our homes even if you live in a home filled with rubble, celebrating that God is there? How are you protecting your children from the rubble of our world? If you're an employee or an employer, how are you the light in the place where you spend a lot of hours every week? The light of hope, the light of truth. How are you pushing back the darkness that wants to destroy your place of business? I just wonder, as we prepare for the men to serve us, I wonder, are we ready to be the hope and the light and push back the darkness in our world? So as you prepare to receive communion today, I want to urge you to reaffirm right now. Let's go to prayer right now. Lord Jesus Christ, we, we receive communion because of you and what you have accomplished. In the quietness of this moment, I want you to reaffirm, my dear friends, in a conversation between you and God, reaffirm your gratitude that God has never abandoned you, that God is ready to step into the rubble of your world today and that he loves you and that he understands the rubble better than you. Reaffirm that. Thank him for that. And if you've been pushing him out, oh, I urge you to recognize he is the only answer that can help you in the brokenness of your world. And he's ready for you to invite him in, waiting for your honest, genuine, sincere invitation to him. And right where you're sitting, this is a perfect moment to do that as you talk to God. And if you trusted Christ a long time ago somewhere in your journey, but your life has become a life filled with rubble, 
why don't you spend a few moments talking to God about why? And bring your life and lay it before him and invite him to step into the current situation of your life and bring healing and correction. And if he shows you something that he wants you to change that's part of the reason for the rubble, then why don't you take the action that you know is needed to change that in your life? Here at Calvary, you don't need to be a member of Calvary Community Church to receive communion. We just ask you to be sure you've trusted Jesus Christ to be your Savior. The men are going to serve us the bread first. I'd invite you to just hold it. Talk to Jesus, and we'll take it together in a few moments. Gentlemen, that last line is so powerful. Yes, it's God saying to you who have trusted Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you're forever mine. I'm holding you in the palm of my hand. And it's you and I who have trusted Jesus Christ saying to him, and you are forever my Lord and my Sovereign and my God. Amen? Amen. One of the people who is the kinds of people we've been talking about today and who's going to close our time in prayer is our brother Robin Canole. Robin, would you come? Robin is the leader of Inspiration Ministries, and I want to thank you on behalf of Calvary Community Church and our entire area for the love that you have for our special needs friends and the way that you are their pastor in so many ways. And would you close our time, brother, and send us out to a world that desperately needs people who can push back the darkness. I'd be happy to. A privilege. Bow your heads and join me, please. Gracious Father, let us never take for granted that you had stepped into the rubble of this earth to break the chains that held us close. Father, you stepped down when you didn't have to and you became like us, facing what we have faced. And yet, Father, we're sin-free. Father, I pray that as we go about the other 167 hours of this week, we not forget what we heard this hour as we raised our voices to you. We bowed our heads in prayer and shared in that meal that joins us with our brothers and sisters through all time. Father, we remember those in other parts of the world that aren't so fortunate that live in fear by professing the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for a blessing on each and every one of us as we go about this week, that, Father, we bring glory to your name, and, Father, that those that see us see a light in the world of darkness. So, Father, we now go our separate ways, remembering what you've done for us through your Son, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. You know that the Digging Deepers are at the doors. Today, as you leave, our ushers are at the doors with our brand new theme verse cards. Take five or ten. Memorize the verse. And God bless you as you go. You're dismissed.